Hi, I'm Gavin Carlson, and this is Out of Bounds, Daily Bruin Sports Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Out of Bounds, the official sports podcast of the Daily Bruin. As always, I'm your host, Gavin Carlson, a fourth-year sports staff writer here at the Daily Bruin. I'm joined once again by my two fantastic guests from last episode. First and foremost, it's my boss once again, sports editor at the Daily Bruin, fellow rising fourth-year Joseph Crosby. How you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good. Long day at the Rose Bowl yesterday, but happy to be talking about football some more. Indeed it was, but what a day it was. We'll get to it in a bit. Got to introduce the other guest, Jack Nelson, fellow rising fourth-year senior sports staff writer. Jack, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Stoked to be back on the pod, and yeah, college football's back, and everything is great. Yes, we're going to be talking UCLA football, obviously the season opener. Before we do, always have a little elephant in the room. Look at the setup. We got another new setup. We just keep changing things up on you. If you're watching on YouTube, of course, you know what I'm talking about. Um, Really professional setup today. The the audio quality is going to be pristine, amazing. Um, So we're really excited to be in a new studio. Zoe Busenberg behind the camera. As always, I forgot to shout her out last episode, but thank you to her. Uh, we got a really exciting episode. Obviously, we're talking about UCLA's season opening victory at the Rose Bowl last night against Coastal Carolina, 27 to 13, the final score. The amount of storylines, Dante Moore, Ethan Garbers, we're going to get into it all. Let's, let's just jump right in. Chip Kelly, 0-3 in his first three season openers as head coach of UCLA. Now his third straight season opening win. It helps when the competition isn't the best, but they picked up the win. That's all you can, you know, all you can do in the season opener. Uh, everyone's going to be talking about one thing and one thing only, the quarterback position. Ethan Garbers gets to start, starts off beautifully, an amazing first drive, uh, you know, really finding open receivers, running game looked great with Carson Steele. They score, um, and then went downhill from there. Uh, Joseph, we'll start with you. We were in the press box watching. What do you think of Ethan Garbers' first three drives, obviously scoring and then slowing down in that, in that first half especially? Yeah, I mean, that first drive, he, he looked great. You know, and Carson Steele really carried the offense getting down the field, but uh, this, the, the receivers were getting open and Ethan was finding them downfield uh, to get that first score. And then, you know, he gets that interception in the end zone. I think that really kind of turned, not, not necessarily the complexion of the game because they did still end up going on to win, but the way, you know, you go from having a really good chance to get seven points and then, you know, you throw an interception in the end zone and let Coastal drive down the field. Uh, it's just not, it's not what you want to do, obviously. And I think that might've rattled him a little bit. Uh, he comes back out on the next drive, they punt. And, you know, it kind of goes off the rails for him a little bit. But it's just a it's just one bad decision that leads to that kind of play. And that can kind of shake you for the entire game. Yeah. And then obviously the man, the five star Dante Moore does eventually come in to replace Garbers. And on that first drive, it, it started off a little weird. But then he comes out in a third down and makes this unbelievable throw on the run from the from the press box. It looked like he crossed the line of scrimmage, but he didn't, obviously. And he throws this amazing sort of three quarters release ball down the field to J. Michael Sturdivant to get that third down conversion later in the drive, ends up finishing off with that touchdown pass to Carson Steele. When you saw Dante Moore enter the game, Jack, did you expect him, you know, all the storyline, all offseason, big five-star, did he live up to the expectations of that first drive, or did you think there was going to be some nerves when he came out there? I think he showed a lot that Bruin fans can get excited about. I think myself included among a lot of people really surprised to see Chip keep Ethan Garbers in the game after that second interception, especially considering at that point in the game, we had already seen a little bit of Dante. We had seen him be able to lead a touchdown drive, had some success in the pocket. Um, but one thing that really stood out to me with Dante is that there's a couple times where he was forced to roll out because the offensive line was a little porous, allowing the pocket to collapse on him a couple times. And he had some really good passes on the move, finding receivers and going through his progression, having to kind of go to some of his 
last options and not really getting his primary guys out there. Um, but yeah, he showed a lot to be excited about for sure for Bruin fans. Yeah, as Jack mentioned, mentioning, obviously, Dante has that first drive. Everyone assumes he's going to stay in the game from that point on, or at least I did. I think you did as well. Um, Chip raised a lot of eyebrows when he throws Ethan Garbers back out there. Garbers throws a pick. He raises even more eyebrows when he still throws Garbers back out there after the interception. Um, what do you think of the way he handled it? I don't think this is that. I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say. Um, we'll ask you, Joseph, about Chip's handling of the quarterback situation. Yeah, I think the the biggest confusion point was Dante Moore only getting that first drive and then Garbers going back out for that their fifth offensive drive of the game uh, and then him staying out after that second interception. I think those are the, the two big spots that drew question marks. But I, if I had to make an assumption, I would say that a lot of that was just pre-planned of Ethan Garbers, you're going to get these drives. Dante Moore, you're going to get these drives. And it wasn't maybe until that, that second touchdown from Moore to start of it that it became, okay, Dante Moore, you're finishing this game out. Yeah, I mean, very questionable. I mean, it was just, I couldn't believe it. I think we heard, we want Dante chance in the crowd. Um, I think people were just very surprised by it overall. Um, but that, that throw to Sturdivant, I mean, that, that was just an unbelievable completion from Dante, and it's really calmed everyone down. Um, I guess when talking about Ethan Garbers, and we're going to talk about all sorts of players on this episode, um, most likely he lost the job. <laughs> I think we'll see how Chip handles it. But did we learn anything about Ethan Garbers in that game? Like I was saying personally, I felt like I didn't learn anything. I wasn't surprised by the performance. Um, he's a pocket passer that when everything's going right, he can make the throws um, if there's windows available. But when play breaks down, when there's pressure within a play and he's rolling out, that's when you get a little concerned. And then when there's pressure in a game, right? How do you respond from throwing an interception? You respond with a punt. How do you respond with your second interception? You respond with a punt, right? When things go wrong, either within a specific player, within the game overall, that's when things get a little shaky for him. Did you guys think you learned anything about Ethan? And do you think he has a chance to, you know, reclaim this job that if we're assuming it's going to be Dante starting next week? I mean, we talked a little bit last week about how bad this Coastal Carolina pass defense was going into this game coming off last season. So I really saw this as a kind of game for Ethan finally getting like a true starting opportunity, being able to really showcase his ability to be a starting quarterback for a team like UCLA uh, and to really get comfortable in that kind of offense that ship runs. But nothing really impressed me that much about what I saw from Ethan last night. I mean, you just saw Dante when he came in, eject a lot more life into this offense. And a couple drives where Ethan was out there, stalled at midfield, and it just seemed like the offense was you know, really flowing a lot better with Dante in the pocket. Yeah, I think I don't think we learned all that much about him. But I don't know if he's not going to see more playing time still. I think, you know, coming into this game, it was anticipated that all three quarterbacks, you know, Moore and Garbers, and then Colin Schley would play. And then Colin Schley obviously doesn't get playing time. Uh, Chip Kelly says after the game that Colin Schley is going to play at SDSU. I think that they're, at least in the week, in the days leading up to the next game, are going to say that all three quarterbacks are going to play again, whether that actually pans out like it didn't this last week. Uh, you know, we'll see. But I think Ethan Garbers, you know, that second interception and Dante Moore had an interception of his own. A lot of those, I think, was due to maybe some breakdowns in the line and pressure in the backfield. Um, but I don't know if we necessarily learned anything that wasn't already known about Ethan Garbers as a quarterback. It was very, you know, this is who he is. And he's like you said, he's going to make the passes uh, when he you know, has a, a clean pocket and he maybe he's going to get flustered. Um, but he's not the only one that's getting flustered from the backfield when there's when there's guys coming at him. 
Yeah, let's be honest. The offense overall underperformed. I know we're talking a lot about the quarterbacks, but just transitioning a bit, the offense overall, and we'll get to the defense as well because I think that was a bright spot. Um, 27 points. I, th- I think the over-under was in the 60s. Um, both offenses clearly underperformed. Um, did things seem – obviously it's hard when you got all this talk about the quarterback position, but offensive line, that was a big question coming in the game. What did you think of the performance, you know, the running back rotation, the receiving core? Um, obviously we saw a lot of, uh, from J. Mike, but what about the rest of the core? So uh, we'll start at offensive line, Jack. What do you think of – you know, we talked a little bit about the pocket and everything, but what do you think of, of the overall offensive line performance? Overall, not not great. I think they, they look decent for first game of the season. I think Chip deciding to start – Bruno Fina and um, Josh, Carlin. Uh, Josh Carlin. Thank you. Uh, starting them over Kader Kunta and um, Jake Wiley. I think that was a little questionable. I think Chip overall kind of went with a couple in-house, you know, returning veterans as options instead of some of the transfer guys that he brought in. And I think the offensive line would have probably benefited from having those other guys in there just because it looks like uh, Carlin and um, what's his name? Fina. Fina, thank you. Like those guys didn't really seem too comfortable in that offensive line at this point in the season, which first, like I said, first game, you're not going to expect that much from those guys who are just now starting, but still, I think there's something to be desired there. What about you with the receiving core? I guess I'll shift to that. Obviously, J. Mike, a big game, yeah. but did you see anything else? I mean, Kyle Ford had a couple catches, but it was kind of quiet from everyone else. Yeah, I think start event is the big story. Obviously, five catches, 136 yards. I think the more interesting thing to note is that he was targeted 10 times and right. only came down with the ball five. So, you know, you think, what does that project for when he's making eight, nine catches in a game? Is he eclipsing that 200-yard mark? Does he become this bona fide, you know, top 10 receiver in the country, not even in the conference? Um, and then Kyle Ford had a couple catches on one of those drives. Uh, Logan Loya was out there doing, you know, Logan Loya things, the kind of things that you can expect from him that, you know, UCLA fans have seen the last couple of years. Uh, but, you know, beyond Sturdivant having a big game and just showing flashes of, what he can be the rest of the season. I don't know if there was necessarily anything that really stuck out as uh, overtly, you know, really good or really bad from the uh, the receivers. Yeah, I'll just add. I mean, J. Mike, J. Michael, J. Mike, whatever we want to call him this year. Um, at least that cow is the kind of the opposite of this ten target guy. He was a low volume guy that they really look to for big plays, which you're expecting from a young player. You can't step in and immediately be targeted double digit times. But he's really more of a big play receiver, right? He's he's got the ten three speed that Dante talked about in the post game. Um, he's a big guy, you know, he's a deep threat above all else, but for him to get 10 targets, most of them were down the field. I mean, like you said, if he catches seven balls, eight balls, it's, you're breaking 200 yards. Um, I really want to see how they use him more in the red zone because he is a big body. Kyle Ford's a big body. Obviously we saw Carson Ryan catch that touchdown from Garbers. Um, but I think we'll see. I think the receiving core, we didn't learn too much. Coastal Carolina is not a great passing defense. Garber said it. that first drive was there was guys open all over the field, especially on that touchdown pass. So not really a lot you can take away other than that. J. Mike looks like that guy. Um, real quick, we'll talk about the running backs. Carson Steele really came out and, and was the running back one for the, the first portion of the game. It looked like Chip had a pretty clear plan about the rotation. He's going to you know, come in with Carson Steele the first couple of drives and let T.J. Harden get his run. Um, so same thing in terms of the, the 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 share the rotation hard to take things away from the first game. Chip looked like he was just trying things out. Um, we're going to transition out of the defense before we introduce a couple of new segments. Um, I was really impressed. I Twitter, you know, just talking to reporters after the game, it seemed like people were a little harder on the defense than I expected. He allowed 13 points against a pretty solid offense. Um, but I just like what I saw specifically uh, coming out in that nickel two four five basically the entire game um, was expected. Not to sound like a little football nerd there, but um. I think what impressed me the most was 
uh, Danton Lynn getting creative at times, despite coming out in the same formation. He had this one play where on a third down, he, he has five on the line instead of four, which he does a lot. But then he, he had a safety come in, bluff a blitz, safety pops out. Darius Mouisau ends up rushing uh, up the middle, and they, they get pressure. Um, I thought he was creative at times. Um, coverage overall, questionable. We'll talk about the corners a little bit. Um, but what did, what were you guys just overall, real, real real quick, overall takeaways from the first showing of a, Dan, a Danton-Lynn defense? Joseph? Yeah, I mean, the first thing is, like you said, the 13 points. And, you know, Grayson McCall still had 271 yards, but he only had one touchdown. And Coastal Carolina only scored 13 points, uh, albeit attributed to a couple missed field goals. But, you know, I think it was very... It was very much kind of a back and forth showing for the secondary. They they got burned a few times, and then there were other times where they had two interceptions, which is something that Grayson McCall has never done in a, in a collegiate game in his career. He's never thrown two two picks in the same game. So they showed you know some really high highs, but there was also some really low lows where you get beat for you know a fifty two yard pass on the sideline on a third down. Um, but I can't I can't see anything like glaringly wrong uh, with what the the front six said did. Uh, as you said, the nickel two four five, Mister Formations over here. Uh, they were, you know, getting good, good pass rush, good run defense, um, and you know, thirteen points is thirteen points. Anything to add, or yeah, I mean, we know how heavily criticized the UCLA secondary has been for the past few seasons. I think there's a lot of expectations for Danton Lynn, the new de- new defensive coordinator, for what he's going to do with that unit, especially with his experience in the NFL with the Ravens most recently. But I think. Yeah, as you mentioned, like getting two interceptions against Grace McCall is a really good look for that secondary, considering, you know, Grace McCall's accuracy and his really strong history over Coastal Carolina. But I think also there was some concerns, I think, about um, offside penalties, some defensive communication breakdowns, I think, is something they're going to have to work on because there's a lot of really inexcusable offsides where you're, you know, allowing the offense to really get some free plays just because of some pretty easy uh, penalties to avoid, so. Four yeah. accepted offside penalties, and I think there was at least one or two more that got declined because Coastal Carolina got more yards than they would have from the penalty, which <laughs> yeah. is not something that a defense wants to be doing on a regular basis. Yeah, chip yeah. in the chip in the post game was kind of like, yeah, we need to address it. Don't ask me any questions about it. We're going to figure it out. And you know, you know, who'll help them figure it out. Um, we'll transition now to our first new segment of the episode. Um, we've got a little pyramid system um, where we're going to be placing players, notable players. Um, kind of ranking them, putting them in tiers based on their performance uh, in the game. We've got 10 notable players here. I'll, I'll list them real quick. Dante Moore, Ethan Garbers, J. Michael Sturdivant, Leatu Latu, Jalen Davies, Devin Kirkwood, John Humphrey, Kane Madrano, Darius Muasau, and Carson Steele. Um, so, pole position, top of the pyramid. Who, who are we going with here? I, I know who I'm putting there, but I want to hear from you guys first. I am going to go with Dante Moore. And I will say, I got to give myself some credit because I picked J. Michael Sturdivant as the player of the game for UCLA last week on the pod. Did. And he ended up being arguably player of the game. So give me some credit there. But I am going to go with Dante just because this game was so critical for him, his first appearance for UCLA, and be able to show that he can be that guy. And I think he really did earn the starting job next week for San Diego State. So I think it's him. Joseph? I've been flip-flopping on this for the past few minutes, uh, but I am going to land on Sturdivant only because... Him having five catches on ten targets just says I think a lot about what he can do um, if he does, you know, come down with a couple more of those balls. Uh, so I'm going to go with Sturdivant and just you know 136 yards on five catches and a touchdown is a really impressive day. Well, majority rules. I'm going Sturdivant as well. So bam, put him on the top. J. Michael Sturdivant, the first ever pole position on out of bounds. Love it. Uh, we'll go to the second tier now. We have two spots, obviously, if you know how a pyramid works. Um, so. 
does Dante go there? I feel like he has to, right? We don't need to waste time on that. I think Dante yeah. Moore belongs in that second tier. Um, obviously, the interception, it wasn't a flawless performance, but just like you said, with everything, the expectations, the way Chip handled the situation, for him to play the way he did, and quarterback being the most important position, I think you got to put him there. But who goes in the other spot in that tier, too? I mean, some definitely some quality candidates. I think Leatu Latu, three sacks. You could easily put him there. Jalen Davies, a huge interception, arguably one of the biggest plays of the game. Um, who do you who do you want there, Joseph? I'll go Jalen Davies. He was locking it down on the outside for most of the game. Comes down with that big pick. Um, you know, he didn't really show any signs of uh, weakness throughout the game. So I think Davies was the the big defensive performer for me. Do you agree? I'm going to go with Latu Latu actually mm-hmm. because we've talked about how important he's going to be for this defense this season, and I think he had a pretty stellar first game defensively so i yeah i'm gonna go with latu i'm not gonna lie i was hoping that you two would agree because i don't know who i want between the two either um <laughs> I mean, you gotta make a call man but i think this is kind of going to be based on expectations and for context next episode depending on how the team does against san diego state we'll have the the previous pyramid up and then we'll change you know accordingly um but since this is the first game it's really just based on expectations latu we expect him to do that i mean three is crazy don't get me wrong but um, I'm going to go Jalen Davies just because the way the rest of the secondary played was kind of questionable. So to be able to have at least one secure corner, uh, we can put him at that second spot. So we've got uh, J. Michael Sturdivant at the top and then Dante Moore and Jalen Davies in tier two. Tier three, Law two is going there. Don't got to waste any time with that one. Um, but two more spots. <sighs> this is tough. Um, I was really impressed by Kane Madrano. I I'll be honest, like at times I've kind of doubted if he's good enough to be the second linebacker. Um, but for him to go out there next to Darius, those would be the two guys. Um, and for him to play the way he did, I think he was the best defensive player in the first half. He was all over the place, especially in the run game. So that's my pick um, for one of the, the spots on tier three. Do you guys have any uh, opposition to that? No objections nope. from me on that one. I agree. All right, well, yeah. we'll slide him right there. And then who gets the other spot? Uh, do we go with Darius? I mean, he said nine tackles, I he had, believe. He had nine tackles, seven solo. Both were leading the team. Uh, so he just he kind of did what Darius Mewisat does. You know, that's that's kind of the expectation that I think has come from him being you know a stalwart in that that linebacking core. Um, Carson Steele, solid as well. Um, do you go Darius? You think we go Darius? I'm going with Darius for this. All right, we'll go Darius. Darius gets the third spot in tier three. So now we have the bottom tier, and it's kind of ironic because. I don't think there was four players that had like at least of this 10 that had like poor performances. Um, but with this four, I mean, we, we have the four remaining players. It's Ethan Garbers, it's Devin Kirkwood, it's John Humphrey, and it's Carson Steele. I mean, if we had to rank the four, I feel like you put uh, Steele at the top of those four. It's not like he did anything wrong. He came out, he looked solid. It reminded us a lot of Zach Charbonnet, um, just the way he runs, the way he, out the backfield was actually pretty solid, catching a couple balls. Um so, I mean, nothing really needs to be said about Carson Steele. It's more so that this cornerback position. I thought Devin Kirkwood coming into the episode, that's who I said was the player to watch. Real disappointing performance. I'm not going to lie. He got burned a couple times. I mean, it looked like he got replaced by John Humphrey. Ironically, John Humphrey then gets burned a couple times, especially in the end zone there in that jump ball. But he responded with the pick. And so if, if you, you know, going into next weekend, San Diego State, I think you assume it's probably Humphrey starting over Kirkwood. Um, so for that, I'd, I'd say you put him ahead of Kirkwood on that that bottom tier, any opposition to that or Yeah, no, the the recovery from Humphrey after getting burned a couple of times to go out and then get that second interception, uh, I think is a big, you know, a big bounce back. I think Chip talked about it in the post post game. He said uh competitors respond. And I think uh John Humphrey did that in a way that probably impressed the coaching staff. Yeah. So then that leaves Devin Kirkwood and who am I missing? Ethan Garbers. Ethan yeah. Garbers. 
Um, it's ironic. I see. I don't know. Like, who had the worst worst performance? I I was really disappointed in Kirkwood. I don't know if I'm saying I'm really disappointed in Garbers. I feel like Chip kind of threw him under the bus there by putting him back out. Um, who had a worse performance? I would hesitate to say that either of them were overtly bad. Fair. I, I don't think it's fair to say that, especially in the first game of the season. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say Garbers had a little bit better just because of those looks that he got on that first drive were very, very solid uh, and a couple of good passes throughout the game, uh, regardless of the interceptions. Um, and, you know, the second interception, I'm hesitant to, to blame it entirely on him just because of, you know, maybe breakdowns in the offensive line and missed assignments or whatever. So I'd say Garbers was a little bit, had a little bit of a stronger day. You agree? Actually, I think that's fair. Put Garbage yeah, above Kirkwood. I, agree. I think he did just enough to not be the bo- very bottom player in our pyramid this week. Yeah, he, so. could, he easily could have done worse. Um, so, yeah. All right. There you go. That's our first ever out-of-bounds pyramid. We'll have a, a better name for the next episode. Something catchy that we can you know throw up on the screen. But um, now we'll transition to uh, the next game. We're talking a lot about Coastal. Obviously, we're really excited. We finally got real football. But let's transition now. UCLA will now be traveling to San Diego State to take on the Aztecs. Um, San Diego State 2-0. Two not so impressive wins, a twenty to thirteen win at home against Ohio, and then a thirty-six to twenty-eight win against Idaho State. Um, two weak opponents and two close games, two one-score games. Um, I believe UCLA is favored by around 13, 13 and a half, something like that. Um, so people are expecting a closer game than they did in the Coastal matchup. But I think that's more a response to sort of a lackluster performance from UCLA in Week One. I'm just previewing that game real quick. What are you looking for from San Diego State? Obviously, like we said, two not-so-impressive wins. What do you think we're going to get from the Aztecs? Yeah, I mean, it's a seven-point win over a G5 team to open Week 0, and then it's a, an eight-point win over an FCS team. So I'm not entirely sure that there's a lot to be excited about from the, the San Diego State side of things. Uh, it will be interesting to see how UCLA performs on the road. You know, LC, or, sorry, LA to San Diego, uh, it's not terribly far, but you get stuck in that traffic on the 5. Um, <laughs> but... So, you know, having that road environment might be a good test for UCLA to see how they respond to that. But I don't think uh, I'm considerably less optimistic about San Diego State than I would have been about Coastal Carolina last week. Jack? Yeah, a lot of similar sentiments to what Joseph said. I mean, yeah, Coastal Carolina definitely, at least to me, looks like a better team than San Diego State, even despite, you know, the fact that San Diego State already has two wins. Coastal Carolina lost against UCLA. But, um, yeah, I mean, San Diego State, they're a very consistent, like, defensive team. That's one that kind of impressed me about their program. I think you talked about it earlier this season, Gavin, when you said they're kind of fly under the radar a little bit. They're kind of a consistent team, not really have these really huge, successful seasons, but they, they're very consistent. And they, I think the last time played UCLA actually beat UCLA um, back in the early Chip Kelly days. Um, but, yeah, I think just preparing for the San Diego State defense, and it'll be a little bit tougher than Coastal Carolina for sure, I think, on that side of things. Um, but there's nothing really to be afraid of on the offensive side of the ball for San Diego State. So I think UCLA can definitely have maybe a little bit of a better uh, day offensively or defensively. It, it's, it could go either way, honestly. So. All right, so we'll jump to predictions. Uh, Jack, you go first. Rapid fire. What's the score? And who's the breakout player on offense and defense for UCLA? I'm going to go 38-21 UCLA breakout player. I'm actually going to go with Carson Steele. Okay. Interesting take because... Uh, as we saw against the game against Coastal Carolina last night, him and uh, TJ Harden essentially split carries almost entirely half and half. I mean, we, as you mentioned, we saw TJ kind of emerge in the latter half of the game. Um, but both those guys had 76 rushing yards each, and then Carson only had two more carries. So there, there doesn't seem to be very clear-cut RB1 right now, but I can see Carson having himself a big game. In defense? Defensively? He's going to say a lot, too. He's going to keep it safe. I don't, I don't blame him if you do. <laughs> 
<laughs> you read my mind, Gavin. Yeah, I'm going to go Latu. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Joseph, what about you? Score prediction and offensive defensive players. Really quickly before I do my score, I will say mm-hmm. that all-time UCLA has only lost once against San Diego State, and that was the 2019 matchup. Uh, so, you know, maybe a bit of a revenge game for Chip Kelly this, okay. week, this coming weekend. Okay. We'll I see. see it. I can see it. Okay. Uh, but I've Cosby got hater. <laughs> I've got a UCLA 34-17 taking the game. 17-point um, wins for both of you. Interesting. Yeah, and so I'll say offensively, uh, I'll go Kyle Ford. Uh, I think he ha- only had two catches this past week, but I could see him getting more you know, work in uh, in this next coming game. And then defensively, assuming he's not injured, he kind of came off the field a little bit last night, but I'll say Kamari Ramsey uh, showed a lot of prowess in the secondary uh, during the game last night. So assuming he's not injured, I think maybe see a big game from him. You stole my Kamari Ramsey pick. We were talking about him in the press box. Uh, really impressive before he got taken out. He missed basically the entire fourth quarter, even some of the third, I think. Yeah. So hopefully he's healthy. Um, I, I had it 31-21. You guys are kind of making me want to pick something different because I was... Stick to your guns. I think San Diego State's kind of weak. I agree with you guys. I'll say 31-17. Um, so they'll cover the 13 and a half. Uh, <laughs> 31-17 UCLA. Um, my offensive player of the game, Dante Moore. I Come on now. He, okay. he showed it in the okay. first game. Um, the nerves won't be there. I think the offensive line will play a little bit better. So I'm going to call it right now. Three touchdowns passing, uh, maybe like 50 yards on the ground rushing as well. Um, and then on defense, I was going to go Kamari Ramsey. I'll go Jalen Davies. I think, no, 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 scratch that. We'll go Cam Andrano, actually. I, I, I thought he was really good in the first game. Um, San Diego State's going to try to play kind of slow, um, run the ball a lot. So I think Kane will have a lot of tackles once again. Um, real quick now, we got one more real quick segment. We're going to do... More. A little buy or sell um, going into this week, too. Kind of based off of week one. Um, three quick questions. Uh, Jack talked about Carson Steele a little bit. Buy or sell? Is Carson Steele the clear-cut Zach Charbonnet running back one in 2023? Uh, clear-cut, no. Uh, it's kind of ironic. I literally just talked about it. But, um, yeah, no. as I said, it seems like there's really no RB1 at all at this point in the season. It seems like it's very much have to have split between hard and steel so i really don't think that's going to be the case okay so you sell you come on get to the segment we said buy or sell you gotta come on. i sell i sell okay there you go what about you i'll sell it in a different way i'll <laughs> i'll go buy i'll i'll buy that uh, tj harden ends up being running back one i think he, you know coming up uh as a freshman last year and he's gonna end up being you know being that guy over carson Steele. so that, that would be selling carson i'm Steele. selling carson Steele. <laughs> And buying TJ He said Harden. I'm going to buy it in a different way. No, <laughs> I said I'm going to sell it in a different way. I guess you did, actually. So you sell, you sell, but you say it's going to be a split. You say it's going to be TJ Harden. I guess I'm buying. I, I, Carson Steele, he's, at least he's number one in the pecking order. Um, I think there'll be a split, but I think Carson Steele is probably just a better running back, which, which hurts to say. I thought I was going to be a TJ Harden guy. Um, but this is something that could flip-flop every week. I'll, I'll buy it, though. I'll say Carson Steele's the Shaq, the yeah. Shaq, the Zach Charbonnet of 2023. Um, number two, by ourselves, does at some point in this season, does UCLA's offense reach the level it was at last year? Only 27 points um, in week one. Obviously, I don't think they really were ever below that last year. So by ourselves, offense ever reaches what it did last year. Joseph? I'll sell on that. I, I don't know if they're going to click enough. I think Dorian Thompson-Robinson had so much experience last year uh, and just the other, the other guys that were around him. I don't know if they're ever going to be able to click that well. Uh, to you know, reach those kind of point totals and yardage totals in a game, but I don't think that necessarily is going to equate to them uh, losing as losing more. Uh, I just think they're not going to be on that same kind of top whatever it was offense. I think top ten in the country. Yeah, Jack. Uh, I'm going to say bye, actually. And I know there was such a high bar sent last year, especially with, of course, DTR and Zach being such a big connection for that offense. But I think 
if there's more continuity on offense, if we see Chip maybe stick with Dante a little bit more, if we see potentially like Harden or Steele really emerge as an RB1, which I've said might not happen. Um, but I, I think if we have more continuity, like immediately in next game going forward, I think it's possible, but it is, it's definitely hard to reach. So he said bye, but then said it's possible, but it's hard to reach. You know what? Yeah. I'm going on in this this crazy take. I'm buying it. I think they're going to be better eventually. I think wow. Dante Ooh, Moore's whoa. him. Um, that rollout throw to to J Mike was, I think, better than any throw DTR has ever made. And that's not a diss to DTR. I'm a big DTR guy. But he's throwing balls across the middle to J- Jake Bobo. He's not throwing on the run, three-quarter release, Sturdivant on the sideline. Like, come on now. Who's doing Come on. Caleb Williams, watch out because you know how I feel about you. Dante Moore's coming. Um, I think the offense has the wow. potential to be better, but at the very least, I think they will at some point in the season uh, reach what they were last year. All right, real quick. Fire cell is becoming Gavin's hot take section. <laughs> hey, come on now. <laughs> we, might, we might have a different name next episode. Final buy or sell. Defense un- under Danton Lynn. Way better, somewhat better, or uh, the same as last year? Oh, way better. Way better. That's not really a buy or sell either. I'll just leave it at that. I'll leave it at way better. Way better? I agree. Way better. Yep. Um, I do too. I was actually very impressed. I know that the, the secondary still looks shaky, but it's always looked shaky and it looked less shaky than it has in the past. So yeah. All right. That's buy or sell. We had our pyramid segment earlier. We're really getting creative on the out of bounds podcast and it's only going to get better and better. Uh, so make sure you stay tuned. The YouTube channel, Spotify, Apple podcast, SoundCloud, all that jazz. We're going to be coming at you every week, breaking down the previous game, previewing the future game, just like we did on this episode. So yeah, we'll see what you can do against San Diego state. I think Joseph and I will be there, um, so we'll, we'll be covering the game, and we'll see what, what the Bruins can do in week two. They can jump to 2-0. and um, But, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks so much for watching. Um, have a great week, and we'll, hear you, we'll, we'll talk to you again uh, next Sunday. Thanks a lot. Take care. Out of Bounds is the official sports podcast of the Daily Bruin, UCLA student-run newspaper. You can listen to this episode and others on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts, and a transcript of this episode will be available on dailybruin.com. Also, make sure you check out our YouTube channel, UCLA Daily Bruin, to watch the video version of this podcast. Thanks so much. Have a good one.